So hello, everyone, and welcome to Living That Bell V. I'm your host, Monday Young, life and expat coach. And today I am going to be speaking with Lisa Mitchell, who is a speaker, writer, and specialist in international personal finance. She has a very popular blog called Living a Global Lifestyle, where she writes about a variety of of topics, but really concentrates on um, helping um, expats, digital nomads, and travelers understand how they can manage their finances abroad. Now, she has been a global executive and consultant for over 25 years, and she's and has specialized in sales, marketing, and business development. Um, she uses her skill sets to really help people who are moving from country to country to really find that financial security that they're looking for in their lives that can be quite uncertain and to give them a little bit of guidance of how they can keep their finances on track with all the changes that they may be going through moving from country to country. So hello, Lisa, and welcome. Thank you, Monday. How are you? Thank you for having me. I am great. And I'm happy and excited to be talking to you today. Um, one, because as someone who lives abroad myself, finances is always something that is a really something that you don't pay attention to that you should. Um, and we're going to be going into all the things you know, you know, some of the things that expats really need to be thinking about that when I had a conversation with you, I was like, I should really be thinking about that. <laughs> Which is why I have you on here today, because I was like, people should be thinking about this, right? But before we get into that, Lisa, tell me a bit about you and how you got into um, how you got into sort of the global lifestyle and find in and um, international personal finance for people living a global lifestyle. Sure, Monday. So for me, I've always, I mean, when I was a kid, always wanted to live abroad, always wanted to have an international career. So graduating from college, the first thing I did was work abroad join a work abroad program, found myself in London, 21 years old, working on virtually the, the Wall Street um, of London, and then went to get an international MBA and then ended up in banking. So, you know, as you alluded to, financial services, I keep coming back to it and back to it, is one of those things that everyone needs. So I've lived in London twice. I've lived in Vietnam, I've lived in China, and then the international banking portion at two banks, I did that, Citibank, and then at Wells Fargo, I ran a big international personal banking division where I served expats from the top like global corporations, digital nomad, and this is going back a while, they don't even have the division anymore, right. and world travelers, this is kind of pre- pre-fintech, which I'll, uh, I'll get into. So I've always melded the two worlds of business, living and traveling um, abroad. So while I was running that division, I saw everything. You know, I, I, I sure. also, since we served global corporations, I also had an inside view into the global mobility industry, which is the industry, like international HR, which serves people who mm. are going abroad. So often sure. I was also talking to the international HR person 
about how are you going to manage the person's finances. We did seminars. I managed an office in London, managed an office in Asia. So I did that. Then the financial crisis came, and this was the old one in 2008. And I said, you know, I, I better, what if another financial crisis happens? I better have some yeah. other skills. And really, it was kind of moving to London, having the financial crisis happen. And I actually had to come back because financial services decimated. And kind of hearing what was going on and in the US, people were mm -hmm. really scared. Banks were staying open. And realizing that people who lived a global lifestyle and then also coming back did still didn't have a clue about their finances. Like I couldn't go to a dinner party without somebody running up to me and going, well, what should I do about my bank? And I'd go, and also I'm, I'm dating myself also, but when I lived in Europe the first time, it was there 1987 Black Monday. And yeah. although it wasn't the same on the scale for consumers, it was the same thing. So I'm just sure. like, in the US, we always say, you know, we don't, financial literacy is, ver is very low. I would, I take it a step further and say international financial literacy is, mm. is very low, especially among US citizens. And of course, we, we don't, people feel like we don't have to because the US dollar is the reserve currency of the world, you know. So when At I got moment. to China, right, when yeah, I got to China, right. that's why I was kind of focused on, but then Number one, you know, China, the, the great firewall, as we call it, with internet, I really couldn't do that much research on the book. So sure. all my research was actually the expats that I became friends with. And then also I was doing executive coaching, executive training, um, teaching the soft skills as, as well as other things. So my students were executives and we'd always talk about financial services. So although I'd done business in China a lot, I'd learned a lot from then. Then I came, I came back and I was writing and then I had some other issues and people would be like, they resonated to the content. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, well, if I'm not gonna finish the book, let me do the content. Then I started having seminars. Then I started doing more speaking. So that's, and now I have, I've just created a, a, a moving abroad financial blueprint. So that's how I came. I will always come back to financial services. Now I'm looking at, central yeah. bank digital currency blockchain um you know the way we do financial services has changed because now we have fintech we have uh your wise company your revolute we have those but the basic core needs that people need and of course now more people are digital nomads yeah, more people sure. want to be expats now that we're all mm -hmm. remote and global but you still always need your financial services you, sure. you cannot escape that yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we were talking about, I know for me, one of my biggest issues and one that I'm still working on mm -hmm. is like getting my social security into one country. You know, right. it was something, you know, when we, we were having a conversation, I was telling you like, when it comes, you know, while we're traveling around and everything is nice and we're working and we're making money and we're of a certain age, we're not necessarily thinking about our retirement, but as we get older and older, you're like, okay, I've been paying into the social system, you know, cause I've lived, uh, uh, you know, in a, a couple of countries myself. So I was paying mm -hmm. into the UK, I was paying into France, I was paying into United States. And I'm like, how am I gonna bring all of this together? Right. How is my social contribution? Uh, how is that gonna add up when I retire? Let's take US social security, social security, uh, for example, um, that is a challenge 
what the U.S. has with different countries, and it's a, it can be a different agreement, it's called a totalization or international agreement. Um, it basically governs um, social security contributions. So you need okay. to go back and look for each country, what the policy is and how they're going to work with the United States. In the United States, it's a little bit simple. I think after 40 quarters, which is like 10 years, you're paid into social security. Also in other countries, social insurance contributions are often mandatory. In okay. the US, your employer pays it, or if you're self-employed, you pay it, but it's not necessarily mandatory. So you need to, people need to go to the US Social Security Administration site, look at the totalization agreements, figure out where they'll be, and then they can figure out how they can get credits from a foreign country. In terms of retirement, it also always comes down to taxation and what kind of retirement vehicles that you can invest in. A lot of, now I'm not an investment specialist. I'm not a tax mm -hmm. specialist. I'm just more of a financial educator. And of course, know tons about international banking. But when I listen to the investment, of, it's in the book, you really have to look at the tax implications um, for, for what you invest. A lot of retirement vehicles that we have in the United States are not necessarily recognized tax favorably um, in other foreign countries. So you need to think about that. The other thing is the IRS is like things like pooled investments, like a mutual mm. fund is yeah. a pooled investment. The IRS takes a really kind of dim view, a very suspicious view to that. So people have to look at, okay, what, what sources of retirement income and taxable. I'll give you one final example. Like I see a lot of people, they want to move to Portugal. Portugal is very popular. Let's mm. say you're going to retire, like a friend of mine, he wants to retire in Portugal. I've never, I've lived I in have Europe. some friends in Portugal so, as well. Yeah. Right. And so he's like, I'm going to retire there. And I'm like, okay, so what are your, first of all, he's on the young side. So I'm like, okay, what are your sources of income? And I said, you know, Europe is great. We've lived in Europe before, but one of the reasons Europe is great is because it's a socialized, you know, part of the world and people pay taxes for the things that they have. And it turns out a lot of these countries, they might tax your retirement income. They mm. might tax your income that you're getting from the United States. So people really have to think about that where other countries, let's take, I think Singapore. Singapore yeah. we know is an expensive country but Hong Kong as well, but they, they, I don't think they tax a lot of um, your income. I, they tax income differently. So it's, you really need to, to think about it, which kind of leads me to, I know one of the questions you asked me, well, you will ask me is uh, things that people can do. The thing is people don't have this figured out until they're mm. well into living overseas. Yeah, and yeah. I, I would say that I'm exactly... <laughs> And I'm exactly in that boat because, well, because when you're living overseas, you spend so much time just establishing your normal everyday life. You know, Absolutely. You're, you're finding where to live. You're trying to, you know, get your career back in shape. You, you know, you're learning a language, you're learning a new culture and you just, that stuff that seems so far away really just seems that far away. And you're like, okay, I'll deal with that. I'll deal with that. And then you'll get to an age and you're like, okay, um, I need to actually really be doing something 
about this because this is going to be important in 15 years or, you know, um, and I would say I'm exactly that person, which is why I had you on, <laughs> have you on here today, because I think you raise a lot of good questions about taxations, about um, financial agreements between um, different countries. Um, if people are going to, you know, if a certain country will tax your retirement and how that's going to affect you in the long term, how the IRS, depending on, you know, if you're an American citizen, how that how that relates to your investments. So I think there's so many questions around all of that. But tell me a bit about what you help people do. Okay, that's great. And I'm glad you, let me just say quickly, questions, because I really feel that that is my role. Like, I don't necessarily think my role is to give, especially with, you know, I'm not an investment advisor, I'm not a tax CPA. But people often don't know the questions that they're supposed to ask. I find like the best mm, students mm. that I have, because I have the seminars, they say, what questions should I ask? Because at the end of the day, personal finance is just that personal. personal. Yeah. So what I, one of the things, and it took me a while to kind of, to, to come to this, but I did it somewhat on my last assignment living in China is Pre, well, first of all, pre-departure, I'm really big on that. I mean, I've written, I think, ad nauseum about that. That was a big thing. I always used to focus on at Citibank. And when I was at Wells Fargo, you need to have some kind of financial strategy, a financial blueprint that goes through everything, that mm -hmm. goes through what are going to be your, because as you said, it's very complex. And it's complex because you are managing now to financial households in two or more countries, right? Yeah, because yeah. maybe you might have a child that's studying or parents mm -hmm. that, so that in itself is very, very difficult. And I think people right. underestimate that. People mm -hmm. have actually come back to me when I've had seminars and go, I know how to manage my finances. I'm like, you do in multiple countries? So what are going to be your remaining expenses? A lot of people, student loans, credit cards, what are going to be your potential expenses? Mm -hmm what are going to be your sources of income, which is key. Those three things right there are key. And I'll tell you why, because I hear a lot of big question is, well, how much money should I take overseas? And people throw out numbers and I go, well, how much is your monthly budget? And people get very silent because they don't know what their remaining expenses will be. They don't know what their prospective expenses will be, right? You should add those two together. Then sure. add a slush fund. I always say like 20, 25% for emergencies. And then the amount of months that you want your savings to last, which these days with COVID and everything, I, goes I believe quick. goes quick. Yeah, should be like a year. Like you shouldn't. And then you take that number. And that can be a pretty big number. Actually, in my uh, workbook blueprint, I did, I gave it, I give a scenario and it can be a pretty big number and it's daunting. And this should encompass obviously your home and foreign host country. Um, and then your continued savings goals, what you're going to do about banking, foreign exchange, moving money, payments, credit, insurance, health, medical, life insurance, anything else. And of course, retirement investments, education savings, and then also repatriation. Most people, either they're going to be repatriate back home wow. for a little mm -hmm. while or yep. until they move to their next country. Yeah. And people don't think about that. So those are really 
the key things that should be in, I'd like to call it financial blueprint, but your financial strategy, you should hit all, because that's one of the main things is you get hit with expense or you didn't know the expense from sure. the new country. Mm. Your, your only savings is, oh, you know, I rely only on my company, which I tell people never do. Yeah. Um, and you that, need to be in control of your finances. Absolutely. Yeah, because I, if I, something I, happens, yeah. No one is going to take the responsibility when the IRS or whoever, whatever tax man from whatever country comes knocking on your door, they're not going to go knocking on your company's door. They're knocking on your door about how you handled your finances. So I totally agree with you that when it comes to finances, you need to know what's going on and not. Absolutely. Yeah. And there are lots of stories. I mean, like I said, I used to bank the top global corporations. I routinely meet people over. So oh, my company's taking care of everything. And there are actually quite a few horror stories from some mm-hmm. of these big four accounting firms that messed up people's taxes. Yeah, because and, they don't, they're not ex- necessarily experts either. You know, you have to make sure that the people who are handling all of these things, they're not going to be as concerned about your finances as you are. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. That is... That is true. You in charge. And every time I tell expats, they go, oh, Lisa, when's that book coming out? Can I have your phone number? <laughs> exactly. Right. We're all <laughs> waiting for that book. So you right. need to get on it. Yeah. Um, but another another thing, you know, all the things you said are are really important and very deep to think about. And I'm definitely getting the, the blue. I'm definitely getting your blueprint because I definitely need it. Um, I mean, and even though I feel like I'm pretty good with my finances and I try to stay on top of them and be responsible in my investments. I've only been looking at it from one side. I mm. haven't really been paying attention to what all my obligations are as a dual citizen. And I need to, and I really don't want to get to a stage in my life where, you know, it's like my retirement comes about and they're like, oh, but you have dual citizenship. So there's this and there's this and there's this, you know, it's like, I do not right. want that to happen Absolutely. when that financial Stability would be very important to me. Well, that's, that's, that's very true. And I always tell people that from my research, from a tax kind of, you know, if we're just sticking with tax IRS, they don't really care if people are a dual citizen. Yeah. If you're still a U.S. citizen, um, even in actually France, um, you know, there's the issue is a big issue with accidental Americans. I, I believe actually there's a lawsuit, um, okay. which is, you know, like uh, you're born in, you're born in America, your parents are there for some reason and you leave when you're one. You're right. still, so you're considered an accidental. Right. Um, so you do need to be careful about that. Also, um, people need to be, and I will send you if you'd like, I think I did send it to the link. Um, if they're, in addition to the totalization international agreements for social security, social insurance, there are also like global tax treaties. There's not one for every country. I just had right. a student last week. She's moving somewhere. I looked it up for her. There's not one. So that means that taxation could be open to interpretation. Wow. But people need to start. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's what you don't want. An open right. interpretation to tax. You're like, no. Yeah. So people, <laughs> right. So people, well, but at least she's asking the question. Sure, the, sure, sure. Right? And the other thing, and, and we didn't mention this, is um, if you're doing this pre-departure, you know, you want to. I'm really, really big on consultations. Have a consultation sure. with a tax person. Sure. 
right? And then yeah. say, well, I read the global tax treaty and then you're, you have a really good question. Well, I think I might retire there or I still wanna to contribute to my retirement vehicles. Is it gonna be the same? It, you know, how is a Roth IRA or IRA, how, how are these things going to be viewed? So yeah. though, that's what I mean about the, the questions and, and preparing yourself. So you're on the right track with that, but also, I yeah. do wanna mention the global tax yeah. treaties. Yeah, and I just wanna get in really quickly is, um, what do you think, because I know for a lot of trailing spouses who, um, are following their partners who maybe have been out of the workforce for long periods of time. How do you have any sort of advice around that for people who are not actually contributing into any system because they're not working? How do these people, how do women who are following a partner, how, how can they prepare their personal finance? Well, that's, that's a really good question. So one of the things I always say is before you leave the country again, pre-departure, or yeah. maybe once you arrive, because like you said, Monday, it, it can be very hectic. Kids in school, mm -hmm. moving. You need to have the money honey conversation with your spouse, partner, or significant other. I like that, the money honey Yeah, um, <laughs> especially as we've seen with COVID planning for emergencies. Again, sure. don't rely fully on your embassy or your company. What's your exit plan? Mm, which will include mm. your kids, furry family members, maybe extended family members. Um, and a th thing I found out living in China and doing research, some countries don't offer joint bank accounts. Uh, yeah, so, and I know some countries, your husband has to be with you to even get a bank account. Exactly. But yeah. if you can't get a joint bank account, then you are reliant, let's say, on your foreign spouse, right? And, and maybe yeah. depending on your visa, you may not even be able to open a bank account, especially if you're, you're a citizen, that's mm. becoming a big problem. And sure. also now with FACTA, right, your yeah. foreign spouse may not want FACTA foreign account tax compliant act which gives the irs the ability to work with uh, foreign tax authorities to identify accounts of anyone they consider a u.s citizen um your foreign spouse partner may not want to be on a on a bank account with you totally right. understandable mm, mm. so you need to be thinking about well where's my source of income going to come from a absolutely she should have your own source of income and i've talked about this mm. what well, you can call it a side hustle you can call it a side business or maybe you say you know depending where you were in your career like i know a lot of people now who won't even move because they're like yeah. i'm not giving up my career but now with yeah, remote yeah. working yeah. you know that might change but again go back to the basics what are your sources of income where are you getting your income from? Maybe you're just going to have a bank account outside of the foreign country that both of you are living that you're going to be able to access. Maybe it's going to be cryptocurrency. Maybe it's going to be gold. Maybe it's going to be something else. But you have to, it always goes back to what are your sources of income? Sure. And I, I just don't think that your source of income or your main income in this day and age should be your spouse. What if something, or, or your partner, significant other, what if ha yeah. something happens to that person? Sure. Sure. Um, it's all the things that we don't expect, you know, it's, that it's life is not linear and people have to understand. Yeah. Everything may seem okay now, but it doesn't mean that it's going to stay that way. And if you don't have any sort of safety net, you really mm -hmm. kind of leave yourself exposed to financial vulnerability. 
yourself and possibly your children. Yeah, yeah. I mean, also knowing where your important documents are, identity cards, passports, health cards, Mm, passwords mm, and usernames, names of key people. All those things. Right? Um, How are you going to get a real exit strategy outside of the company? How are you going to get you and your family outside? Your other vital documents, birth certificates. I I mean, we just saw it national now, tv where someone right in the royal family said they didn't even have their passport yeah 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 i mean now lisa i want you to just you know we kind of have to wrap up unfortunately because this conversation could go on forever i have so many things i could ask you but i just want you to 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 speak um you know in the in the last two or three minutes here a bit about your your financial blueprint that you're offering and just maybe three key sort of uh, advice or, or, or words of wisdom that you can give, you know, all of us who are living this global lifestyle that we should be thinking about? Okay, so the, the financial blueprint, as I said, it's a moving abroad financial blueprint. It's a strategy that talks about everything we talked about, the sources of income, the expenses. So it has worksheets for that. It goes, I have a scenario for your budget. I also have a scenario for uh, foreign currency volatility because that's also very important. Um, it hits on every key area and it has worksheets that go beyond that. And it also has questions to get you to think about what your goals are, which leads me to kind of the two, three pieces of advice pre-departure and what are your goals? What are your intentions? I see a lot of people moving abroad, running abroad, especially Americans, you know, with everything that happened in the U.S. But then when I ask them about their finances, they go, well, I don't really know. You, in this day and age with everything we've experienced, you, you can't move overseas with that. You really have to think about that. We've discussed taxes. We've, we've mm. discussed actually the key areas, the taxes and the social right. insurance, which I didn't, okay. the taxes I knew about and which only, FACTA only came into effect really 2014. So you need to find out if there's a global treaty. Okay. Global tax treaty. I will give you the link. You can go to the IRS site. You need to and find out if for everyone a- for everyone listening for everything Lisa's talking about her blueprint strategy, um, the information that she thinks is essential. I will be. Um, you can either find that information here on WRP in the description, or you can. I will be putting the links for Lisa's information, and it will also be on um, my my Facebook or Instagram page with all the links um, for the information that we are talking about here today. And then the final two, and we've, I'm glad we've discussed it, is the planning for the future. You know the thing about sure. moving, living abroad? Mm. One year can turn into two real quickly. Yes. quickly. Yes. Yes. So wait a minute, I've been living here for four years. How did that yeah. happen? Exactly. So right. definitely planning for the future. And then I really am big on finance, on repatriation. Mm. At some point, we all need to come home, even if it is to recharge or just to figure out our next step. And a lot of times people returning back to the U.S. uh, or back home, your finances, it's another big headache, especially in the area we didn't really talk about credit, but for U.S. citizens. We're going to continue this conversation on Facebook Live. So if if people want to hear a bit more, um, we're definitely going to be continuing, you know, 
this conversation more in depth, but I'm really thankful that you came on here to at least give us, you know, what we should be thinking about. Um, But Lisa, tell us where people can find you and how they can get a hold of your, your blueprint. Okay, so you can go to my website at Living a Global Lifestyle. You can join my private Facebook group at Living a Global Lifestyle as well. I'm on Instagram, Living a Global Life, and sometimes Twitter. So that's where people can find me. Well, Lisa, that is perfect. And I just want to thank you so much for sharing, you know, all your advice and wisdom with us today. And I would like to thank everyone for listening to us here on WRP.